Hi, welcome to Payments and More, the Alive Show. I'm Nico, CEO of Alive. Each week, I will have a chat with successful women and men from the payment industry. We will speak about their business journeys and the lessons they learned. I will ask them to share their views, their opinion about the most relevant topics in payments and more. My aim is to bring you off the beaten track stories, views and perspective from a different angle to shed new light on what's hot in payment space and its future. We will go with the flow. Let's see where our guests take us. This is Payment and More. Enjoy the ride. Today, our special guest is Una Dillon, 25 years of experience in payment. She's currently the MD Europe and also the VP of Global Extension of the Merchant Risk Council, the MRC. The MRC is a unique global organization for all e-commerce payment professionals, being merchant, solution provider, law enforcement, etc. Una did over 2,500 interviews in her life, but I will take the challenge to make this one special. We will have great takeaways from Una in this episode of Payments and More. Amongst them, the state of the payment sector, like the state of the nation, if you want, for our payment sector, major concern of all the stakeholders. Una will make some visionary statements about the future of the payment industry. We will also take a glimpse at all the efforts of Una to give visibility to our sector with the regulators up to the European Commission. As usual, you will have the opportunity to win a one-week trip for two to Ibiza with a person of your choice with our famous Allies box game. And finally, we will dig into Una best kept secret. You know that none of our guests so far had the intention to work in payments. That's the case of Una. We will hear also about her career advice for all the professionals. Welcome to Payments and More, the Alive show. Enjoy the ride. Una, welcome to Payments and More, the Alive show. Thank you, Nico. Delighted to be here. You know, we have very international listeners. I know you speak many languages. The floor is yours. Let's go, Una. I want to hear a good morning in Gaelic as well. Oh, do you great? Funny uh, Gaelic or Irish language is very is very focused on the, the the Catholic history. So a lot of the Irish language has uh, has God in it. So the way we say hello in Irish is you know God be with you. So it's it's still do you great after all of these years. But um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I do have a penchant for the words thank you, the phrase thank you, which is, uh, you know, it's it's a very important phrase, I think. So I, I'm I'm up to 54 languages on that on that phrase now, and I'm I'm hoping to learn as many as I possibly can. Um, especially when you're you know when you're abroad and you're seeing people even in you know in the service industry, uh, the words thank you are just so important. So uh, language, you know, like like you, Nico, you have a lot of languages. I think communication is is hugely important, especially in our industry. I'm impressed. I, I need to do better, definitely. Over 25 years experience in payment, you started your career at Elavon, diving into the <laughs> chargeback drama directly, <laughs> chargebacks. <laughs> then you were general manager of Laser, the payment scheme in Ireland. And for the last six years, you're heading the MRC in Europe, as well as the global extension of the MRC uh, in Asia. Uh, more recently. Our guests cannot advertise anything on this podcast, but I can certainly do it. So I'm going to do it, especially uh, the MRC being non-profit. The MRC is a place to be. 350 of the largest merchants in the planet are members of the MRC. 100% of the solution provider of the market were babies when they joined uh, the MRC uh, and they are not 
very successful. Uh, they owe us a lot. What is the MRC doing? Is it all about sharing secrets, Una? <laughs> no secrets, no secrets. And I, I guess, and, and thanks for the introduction to, to the MRC. Um, you know, with, with the MRC, it's it's very much about facilitating networking between players within the payments industry. And our vision really is about making e-commerce you know, easier for everyone, both for, for consumers as well as for merchants and, and solution providers. So our, our aim is is very much education and facilitating network between networking between the uh, the players. So as you said, it is a merchant organization. So we were set up around, you know, 21 years ago with them. Um, you know, several merchants getting together, talking about fraud in particular, and, you know, talking about sharing data um, and so on. And, you know, 21 years later, those merchants that were involved then are still involved with us at the moment. Um, but we, we've we grown very much to be sort of the point of contact for people within the industry who want to reach their peers and who want to reach their competitors and to see what they're doing as well. Um, but very much about educating people on all things payments, fraud, risk um, within the, the, the payments ecosystem and, uh, and making sure that the right people are together. Um, and giving a voice to the merchant when talking to, say, card schemes, uh, regulators, and so on. So we have a lot going on. As you said, we have um, 350 of the, around 85% of the top e-commerce global merchants within the membership, and uh, it is a non-profit, so we're very much about getting those people together. So I did some statistics. I know that 70% of our audience is not a member of the MRC. That's good because everybody uh, is uh, listening to us. Could you give some example of activities you have in the MRC? Yeah, and I guess we, you know, I'm, I obviously work with the MRC, so I can tell you how fantastic we are. But usually we we, uh, we ask our members to talk to other people or to talk to prospects about what they get out of it. And um, it's really interesting to to hear because, you know, we, we there is a fee. You know, we, we have 19 staff and uh, we, we do need to cover the costs of that and running running our various shows and so on. But um, the fee is minimal and the majority of people say that they get their fee back in, in the first couple of days, if not uh, the first couple of weeks in terms of what they what they get out of it. But um, we, have, we have so many programs going on at the moment so we have we, we call the MRC a community but within the community we have um we have various other communities um targeting different sectors of the payments industry so we have you know for example we recently set up the luxury goods affinity group um so you have people who are involved in luxury goods uh companies and stores who have a specific set of issues and we're facilitating their conversation around payments and fraud and what they've seen over you know the the COVID and lockdowns and restrictions and e-commerce levels growing considerably and what that has meant for them and um, so there are you know issues quite specific to them we have a gaming safety alliance for the gaming companies and um, where the likes of you know nintendo riot games you know get together and talk about issues that are specific to them and um, so outside of the communities we have community calls so every six weeks we'll have a community call where everyone within that community and every member so each member you you talked about our, our numbers of members one member could have 2,000 subscribers within there. So the membership is on a company level. So within your organization, if you have payments and fraud and risk people, um, anyone within your organization can be part of, of the community and there's no limit to the number of people um, within your stores. So if, you, if you're set up in, in Europe and you have stores all over the world, all of the people who are you know involved in payments can be part of the community. So as well as the communities, we have other programs like the mentor program where we, we put mentors and mentees together. So you can sign up if you want to learn about a 
career path in payments or you want to learn about something specific, you know, such as, um, you know, you're hearing about new regulations or you're hearing about new scheme rules or PCI compliance or, um, you know, any kind of aspect and you want to know more about it, we can match you up with someone who can who can talk to you about that. We um, So we, we have various different programs to get people together. In terms of education, we have our Rapid Edu platform where we provide courses on payments, fraud, chargebacks, and people can gain CPE credits from doing those courses as well. Um, and as well as our own Rapid Edu courses, we have a Rapid Edu marketplace where we enable our members to or we facilitate our members to put their courses on that marketplace as well. So really just opening up to our members and to their um, to their people, to the people within those organizations to, to see where they can access these education mm-hmm. platforms. And a lot of people, you, you mentioned earlier, Nico, that, uh, you know, we I, I didn't I didn't go to school or college with the intention to get into the payments industry. But um, a lot of us have sort of ended up in payments or fraud by accident. <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily intentional, but. We have companies who maybe take on 200 new staff in their fraud department, but they don't necessarily know about fraud. They can take this course and find out you know, the basics and then they can go to the next level and um, to see what they need to be doing. We have white papers, case studies. The resource center is just infinite. Um, if you want to put a business case together to set up a, a payments department or to expand your, your fraud department, all of that kind of information is available to members. Um, so just a, you know, a huge array of programs. You can see a lot of content for free as a non-member on our website. So it's merchantriskcouncil.org. And uh, on the left-hand side of our homepage, you'll see um, a, a menu there. And it goes into all sorts of things that we're covering, like um, advocacy, which we can we can talk about a little later. Um, but uh, yeah, a huge amount going on, but predominantly, you know, getting together with people is important to us. Over the last year, we've all had that issue where we've been stuck at home in front of our laptops and not seeing people in person. Um, so, you know, we run five conferences a year um, in the US, APAC and Europe. Um, we run Connects events, which are networking events in, in different cities around the world. And we've been doing those virtually for the last 14 months or so. So we're looking forward to getting back in person again. Um, August is our next big event in, in person in uh, in Vegas at the end of August. So looking forward to doing that. So yeah, very much educating people, making sure that they have the most up-to-date content and, uh, and making sure we can get them together. And they're the, the, the key points for MRC. Pamper time. I'm going to pamper you, Una. All our guests have an award. I'm going to praise you. This is the only moment of the show you cannot speak. <laughs> I was personally involved in the MRC. I started managing the MRC in Europe in 2010, and you took over my role in 2015. As a matter of fact, most of the Allies founders were either board member, advisory board member of the MRC or very involved in the management. I must say I completely failed at one of my mission during my tenure at the MRC, which was advocacy. And you did it. And you really deserve an award for that. Uh, the list of international bodies where you are involved is impressive. Uh, j- just name Fuse, <laughs> Una, because I'm very impressed about that. Well, the first thing I'll say, Nico, is that you didn't fail it very much. Um, you know, the the MRC, you you really brought it to Europe, and you know, it was very much a, a US focused company, and um, and you you brought it, or, you know, to into Europe and expanded in Europe over over the time there. So um, it was uh, I, I had big shoes to fill when I when I arrived. Um, on the advocacy, I guess I I had a um, background working with various authorities in Europe, um, and again, it was it was just something that was of interest to me. Um, 
in my background, I guess before MRC, I had my own consultancy firm, but before that I ran the National Debit Card Scheme in Ireland. Um, but at the time we shared an office with the Irish Payment Services Organization, which was basically all of the, you know, the clearing companies, the banking uh, industry, um, but any, you know, anything to do with payments. And I saw a gap in Ireland in terms of what we were doing around card payments in particular. So um, looking at what they were doing in the UK with a, what was APAC at, or APAX at the time, which is now uh, UK Finance and, and several, several other bodies, it's broken up into several other bodies. We were looking at what they were doing there and we, we aimed to emulate that in, in Ireland. Um, so I developed the card payments group in Ireland and so it became IPSO, Irish Payment Services Organisation, uh, card services. Um, and really we were driving things like the you know, chip and pin rollout. So I I, uh, I ran the, the chip and pin rollout in Ireland for um, for debit cards. Um, there was a, another project for, for cards overall. But we, we were involved in things like that. And as part of that, I, I became involved in, in some European groups. Um, SEPA obviously became a notion. Um, and I was sitting on a working group in the European Central Bank when we were talking about SEPA as a, as a concept and looking at the future of what SEPA might mean. And as part of that, the European Central Bank and the European Commission set up the European Payments Council and that group was intended to deliver SEPA. Um, so I was part of the card payments group within European Payments Council. <laughs> there are quite a lot of acronyms there. So the CPG on the EPC, and I was also on the, the card scheme sector group within the EPC as well, because again, I was I was still running LaserCard at the time. So we, because of my involvement in Ipso in Ireland and my involvement in card payments for Ireland generally, um, I became part of these various working groups. So I, I actually ran, over time, I ran the card fraud prevention expert group within the European Payments Council, which again focused on you know, collecting data in Europe and uh, advising card issuers. So we, we were working with the 3,000 card issuers based in, in Europe. Um, so I already had a, a relationship with, with these and, and keep in contact with them, with the people who are working in these organizations. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of regulation. I think payments have been, um, you know, one of the, the most regulated industries over the, the last, certainly the last 10 to 15 years. Um, so I, you know, for me personally, I, I like to keep my finger on the pulse and know what's going on, know, you know, what's coming down the line. Um, and really what we found um, over the last uh, year, certainly around the uh, SCA compliance and the, you know, the deadline moving from September 2019 to December 2020 was that um, there was no one really facilitating that discussion between card issuers and merchants. And we stepped in as MRC to do that. And we actually set up a, a Slack channel so issuers could talk to merchants directly um, around SCA and why, why you know, we, we had people from the issuing side saying, I'm ready for SCA. We had people on the merchant side saying, I'm ready for SCA, but readiness meant something different for each party. So what was happening was, you know, you had these transactions happening that were SCA compliant, but they were failing for whatever reason. So we set up this, um, this Slack channel for issuers and merchants so that they could speak to each other in real time, debug the issues on those failed transactions, find out why they were failing, and then share that information with everyone else who's who's on that Slack channel. And I think we have about 250 people now on the Slack channel representing issuers and uh, and merchants. Um, so you know because of that, we 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 tend to see regulations when they go into place or you know when they're being announced. And I really felt that we needed to bring the merchant voice closer to the to the table. So uh, an opportunity came up in, in the last number of months with the, the Payment Systems Market Expert Group, which is a, it's a European Commission advisory group. Um, and I, I 
I put my name in the in the pot for that one, and uh, I was I was delighted just a couple of weeks ago to be appointed to that as a, a special advisor to the European Commission on on payments. So we're able then to bring the voice of the merchant through the MRC directly to the regulators' table. So when they're looking at payments regulation in the future, that we can bring the voice and 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 talk about the impacts and and even talk about the regulations that we want to see coming uh, coming in the future. So that's uh, it's it, yeah, it's been a busy few months. We'll come back to that later in the show because we have a part about the future. I want to know what, what, what do you think about the future of an industry? But to start with, you're speaking with, I'm sure, over 100 famous merchants every month. What, what are the concern, their concerns right now? What, what are they working on? What, what's the, what are they trying to solve at the moment? Uh... It's a, it's, a, it's a good question. I think even with the larger ones, they really all kind of want to know what what, what each other is doing, you know, and, and what their issues and challenges and, and concerns are. And I guess what, what we're able to do is to facilitate a non-competitive discussion around changes that are happening in the industry and, and, you know, whether that's card scheme rules. I mean, costs are always a huge issue. I think, you know, whether you're a small merchant or one of the, the, the really, really huge merchants, um, costs are, are always a major issue. And um, I guess, you know, combining user experience with um, consumer costs, and then you know the the, the revenue for for merchants is is very much um, you know top of, of what they're talking about. And we're seeing things like um, you know Visa and Mastercard have new uh, new debit card interchange rules coming in, in in the UK as a result of Brexit. Um, and we're seeing you know those rules are very much I guess that the issuers are going to benefit from from those rule changes. But some of our merchants, especially the bigger merchants, are going to end up paying you know millions more a year because of the interchange rates uh, changing. Um, so these are the kind of things that they're looking at. You know what is changing in the payments industry, whether regulation is is you know creating more costs for my business or if if i'm you know uh, if you know if, if there are i guess scheme rules or policies or regulations that are coming on um on boards with payments as a as a merchant our merchants really want to look at where the opportunities are how they can turn those around into into opportunities and and revenue and profit um so that they're they're certainly the main thing and i i i would say that the other thing would be around consumer authentication so again we, we have seen e-commerce rates just shoot up rapidly in the last 18 months while everyone is, is working at home. We're seeing a lot of merchants coming into the um, e-commerce industry that have never you know, been there before. Um, so they're very much talking about, you know, what are the things I need to, to look out for? What are the issues that are there? Um, and you know we, we we aim to educate them on that but we have a new type of consumer as well so you have a lot of especially of the older generation who are now shopping online so very much the consumer authentication apart from uh, SCA uh, secure customer authentication requirements um, merchants are really looking at how they can authenticate their customer when they can't see them and you know when they're you know they're using SCA requirements or uh, EMB 3DS requirements to authenticate the customer. They, they really want to work better with card issuers, I believe, to, to make sure that they both authenticate their customer and the transaction. So those two things would be very much top of the agenda. I think they're, you know, the impact of policy changes and, and regulation on the bottom line and uh, authentication of the customer. What's amazing at the MRC is that sometimes you have very tiny merchants with very skilled people and larger merchants learning for the, from those uh, little merchants. Uh, in another episode, Mark Wallick was saying he loves to stay up very late at night at MRC events because you, you can learn from everybody, right? 
it's quite interesting and actually we, we kind of saw this around when we were rolling out chip and pin cards and we had we, there was one particular bank in Ireland that um, lagged behind the rest and uh, and by the time they came to issue their chip and pin cards they they knew more about the industry and they had more questions and they actually went straight to the most um, the most suitable card or the, the, the most secure card or the most secure chip that was there so sometimes it's the little ones that are, are coming along but they're seeing things with a different view they're you know the smaller merchants especially those that are going going from bricks and mortar into the e-commerce realm they have a lot of questions and and sometimes they bring insights that that we wouldn't just you know that, that we wouldn't think about like I, I was talking on um a webinar the other day about about emv and about consumer authentication and i and i thought back to you know laser card was the debit card scheme in ireland um i ran, I ran that for its duration and uh, laser card was introduced as an alternative to the check so the, the purpose was to let's get rid of checks we don't need checks anymore let's put a card in everyone's pocket and that they can use in, instead of the check um and i remember when when card payments you know, for, or when, car, when credit cards came out and people kind of, there was, there was this, um, you know, idea that you shouldn't use a card payment because, it, or a, a credit card because it just, it shows that you don't actually have money in your account. And um, maybe that was just an Irish thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, what, what we found was like, at the time you didn't have a signature on the back, you didn't have a chip, you didn't have an embossed number. You know, there, there were so many, things that we didn't have that we we have today and obviously then all of the, the frauds started happening and then you see new frauds and and the, the fraudsters unfortunately unfortunately are innovative they they come up with something new every week as we uh, find a solution they come up with with some something new and inventive and we always have to come you know come up with a, another new solution to to prevent those kind of things so so what you see is is you know in in terms of the change in the industry cards were never meant to be used online for example so if you if you were to design uh, a payment tool for for consumers to use online from scratch a card payment is probably not the one that you would you would think of you know there there are other solutions that are out there and we're making card payments less about the actual plastic card now and and looking more at you know the numbers and authentication so i think for the small merchants they're coming on on board now in e-commerce and they're questioning these things they're looking at other better payment methods and you know how they reach their customer and what the customer wants and what their needs are so for um, as i said with with markets you know google is a, a, a large organization but sometimes you you sort of you focus on <laughs> on the you know the, the high speed train that we're all on at the moment rather than maybe taking a little step back and, and looking at what the what the, the people who are just getting on the train are, are looking at so yeah always interesting to, to see what they're looking at but also wanting to give back to them you know what what we have learned over the years and what they need to look out for and uh, and hopefully steps that they can avoid in uh, especially when when fraud is uh is rearing its uh, its evil head. <laughs> the solution providers, because all of them are members of the MRC, uh, sometimes they, when they start to create their companies, they immediately join their MRC. Uh, at the MRC, you've been giving a lot of awards to very famous uh, company now that were very tiny at the time. Mm. What sort of trend or new solution are you observing? Because I mean, I was reading a chargeback pro, a warranty provider now entering into a buy no pay later solutions. I mean, mm. it's all blurred. What trends are you seeing? Well, that, that's a good point around buy now pay later. I think we, we've there are a couple of brands out there that that do stand out on you know the, the buy now pay later, but we're we're seeing that really take off across the world, especially in the US where, um, I mean, the concept of buy now, pay later in the US was was just off the charts. They just, you know, couldn't believe this concept. And now it's huge. And, you know, you have several companies that, um, 
that are, are really doing very, very well across across both the US and, and then the rest of the world. So you have solution providers looking to see where they can you know tap into that. So um, for a lot of companies, they're looking at you know sales, they're looking at operations, um, but they may not be looking at the fraud and risk um, challenges and issues. And again, as, as something is, is expanding um, in terms of a payment um, method like buy now, pay later, there are going to be new issues. There are going to be new challenges that we haven't seen yet. And the solution providers, I mean, what I see is it's for me, it's it's just been very exciting to see these solution providers. As you said, some of them start quite small. They, you know, they they see the MRC and, you know, we, we just sort of burst their brand into into the world and, and give them this platform to speak to to hundreds and hundreds of, um, of merchants. And what they're doing is learning from merchants around their challenges and their issues. And they're coming up with with them. Um, with solutions for those so it's it's just it has been very exciting for me we're we're, we're very privileged in the MRC I guess to see some of these fledgling companies just become huge and um, we're seeing a lot of um, unicorns over the last six to twelve months who you know who started in the corridors of the MRC who are who are now um, you know they're, they're just doing really really well in their own right but uh, then you see a lot of them uh, being being purchased by some of the bigger companies as well the card schemes are quite good at uh, at purchasing up uh, some of our solution provider members so yeah i think what they're doing is the solution providers are very much listening to merchants so they're taking the time they're not going to just you know coming up with with something that might be on the shelf that might be of use they're actually listening to merchants seeing what their issues and concerns are but they're also looking to the future and what um what fraud trends and risks are going to be there for a business and, and aiming to come up with a solution in advance and, and plugging that into the companies who are providing the uh, alternative payment methods. So it's um, yeah, it's exciting to see. But I think you know their their focus is definitely on the merchant voice and, and what the merchant is seeing and hearing and what they what their needs are uh, and that's how they're doing well. Una, I'm sure you have somewhere a Gaelic crystal ball, and I want to ask you about what do you foresee in the industry in the next five years? What will be the trend, the game changer? Let Let's take a guess. Nobody is wrong in this podcast, so you you can you can take a guess. Well, I think certainly um, you know data continues to be more valuable than than gold these days. So I, I think certainly in the next five to ten years, we're going to continue to see challenges with data and keeping data secure. And you know, going back to authentication, the consumer, I think consumer authentication is is just going to be huge. I think that the need. For companies to both authenticate the consumer and to keep their data secure is, is going to become more important than ever. Um, I do think that payments regulation is going to be a little bit easier for the next uh, few years. I know that the, the regulators, certainly in Europe, are looking at um, you know allowing things like PSC2 to develop and for things to settle and to see where things are going there. I mean, SCA, for example, was introduced for a specific reason. It was, it was again, around consumer authentication. They want to see if that's effective, you know, for, for reducing fraud. So I think regulation will be hopefully a little bit easier on us all. And we'll, we'll continue to look at other, other areas like PCI and, and card scheme rules and so on. But I, for me, I think data and authentication, the consumer are going to be the big things for consumers, whether you're a new or for uh, merchants, whether you're a new merchant or, or one of the, the big, huge ones. This is where, you know, and again, we see, you know, SCA is fixing a particular problem, chip and pin fixed lost and stolen fraud and counterfeit fraud, which was a major issue at the time. And it fixed that, but the fraudsters moved 
somewhere else. And, and in fact, when we rolled out chip and pin in Ireland, check fraud went through the roof. So they, they go back to some of the older, the older um, uh, types of fraud. But with with SCA coming down the line, we're already seeing um, organisations um, in Ladam, for example, um, complying with SCA requirements. So, you know, they're they're not legally required to, but they are because they they see the benefit. And um, so as you have the rollout of secure customer authentication, fraudsters are going to have to look at other areas where they can capture consumer data and defraud merchants. And uh, I, I think that, again, goes back to the, the, the data and the consumer authentication. I think it's uh, a, a, an area very much to watch. Buzzword of the year, artificial intelligence. And now the European Commission is looking at uh, regulating artificial intelligence. Are you making sure, Una, that this won't apply to fraud prevention? <laughs> um, certainly, I, I think with artificial intelligence, it's, it, it's good to de define what that actually is. I mean, we, we hear about machine learning and AI, and you know, I, I hear from merchants that they're using these things, and, and then you, you sort of delve down a little bit better, and they're not, <laughs> you know. So I think um, the words or the, the terms are bandied about uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, machine learning and AI are they're if, if used properly have so much potential, um, and I think in in terms of regulating AI, it's it's probably more to do with um, with data protection than anything else and uh, um, advising consumers and merchants where their data is going to be used. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of fraud prevention and, and even for marketing, because, you know, as, as consumers, you know, we, we, we know that you, you sort of you're, you're talking near your iPhone about going on a holiday. <laughs> we all want to go on a holiday. And um, five minutes later you see you know ads for holidays on you know to the place that you've been talking about so it's you know consumer information is it's just hugely important for companies both for marketing but for um fraud prevention um as well so i, I think certainly from a regulator's perspective it needs to be looked at carefully and not stemmied i suppose we, we can't stop progress in the area of uh, of data protection and, and using data in the best way possible but i think yeah it, it just needs to be defined in the first instance and and you know people use ai and machine learning the way it's meant to be used but just uh, i mean the benefits are enormous i think to um to, to stop its use in any shape or form is is not necessarily going to be a good thing una you're giving me a good opportunity your golden minute let's change hats a little bit and let's say you're the president of the European Commission. There is a plenary on payments and you address all the commission. What will be your key political messages? Ah, well, it would be nice to think that that would be the case, Nico, in future. <laughs> um, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. I think with, um, with payments, for me, it would be very much around... I, again, I guess that the European Commission and when we when we have regulations, they're specific to certain bodies. You know, you take PSU2, SCA, it's it's specific to the bodies that can be regulated, which are the banks. So the acquiring processors, the issuers, they are the entities that are being regulated. So in effect, you have, you know, other companies that are out there that are not required to comply with regulation. Um, you have, you know, merchants even are not required to comply with regulation. They're not going to be fined or be penalized by the lawmakers, by the national conduct authorities. Um, it is the card issuers and the acquirers that are required to comply with the law. So for me, in the European Commission, it's about sort of seeing the bigger picture and being able to reach the other entities and recognising how many entities 
are out there. Payments are just huge. And, you know, even when we went back looking at SEPA, they were talking about credit transfers, direct debits um, and so on. But we, you know, when they started talking about bringing card payments into, into SEPA and, and the SEPA requirements, we thought, gosh, this is going to be huge. You're looking at, you know, things like terminals, terminal vendors, um, cards, card producers, the people who make the cards, the people who make the mag stripe on the card. You know, there are so many different entities involved in the circle of life of payments that I think when, when the regulator is looking at payments they need to just look at the bigger picture and I think you know for me it would be around getting all of those people um, represented around the table and making sure that uh, that everyone that there is a fair um, and level playing field when when it comes to regulation so that uh, yeah fairness communication and making sure all the players are at the table would be key for me. I will vote for you Una. <laughs> Thanks Nico. <laughs> Before we get more into your personal details, uh, you know, there is always a section about personal details of, of our guest. This is the time of our game. Uh, so I have a box on my desk. There is okay. something inside that is related to payments. Okay. The audience can guess what is in the box. You can give a hint by asking me one question about this subject. The winner can post the answer uh, on LinkedIn and uh, win a week of holiday for to Ibiza from anywhere in the world. That's the time for your question, Luna. Oh gosh, okay. Is it numerical? Yes, okay. there, there are some numbers on it. Okay. That's a good tip, that's a good question, good tip. Remember to post your answer on, on LinkedIn uh, or in our webpage. You also have a section to get in touch with us. And let's go more personal. All our guests were due to have a career in very original sectors. We, we even had a cook, a future cook. Uh, what about you? What did you study? <laughs> um, God, well, I studied maths and physics at university. And uh, a lot of the people that I that were in my class just didn't end up getting the, the postgrads that they wanted <laughs> in various things. So I, I worked for a year and then went back to, to university. I When I was in school, we had a choice of languages or business business topics like accounting and, and economics. And I went for the languages every time. So um, I didn't I didn't really have a business subject. So I, I went back to study economics. So I did a degree in, in economics then. And yeah, I, I left, you know, my hometown to go to Dublin and I got a job at a bank because it was easy to get it. They were looking for postgrads. So it was easy at the time to get a job in a bank. I mean, I thought it was. And I, as far as I was concerned, I was getting a job at a bank while I was looking for a real job and I'm, I'm putting real job in inverted commas. And um, I was very fortunate when I started working in one of the, the bigger brand banks in Ireland um, that I went straight into a chargebacks department. And I went into chargebacks when, you know, the, the rules were in a, a book, they were in a manual that were on your desk and you, you had to know them from back to front. They weren't written into the system. In fact, we were using base 10 at the time, which is basically a black screen and large green capital letters. <laughs> you know, there, there were no rules. There were no windows. Um, so you, you had to know the rules back to front, which meant you also got to know the, the business and, you know, what issuers were and acquirers and merchants and consumers. And um, so it was a really, really good starting point um, for me. And um, yeah, it was never my intention to go into payments or to, to end up doing payments. And and that's kind of where it started. Yeah, I went from a chargebox department into a card scheme or for an acquirer, um, uh, an issuer. Uh, uh, my job is yeah. to know the secret of my guest. I know you had a dream, another dream, <laughs> which was to become a classical singer. Am I right? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, well, so I, I do have training in classical uh, classical music. So I, I, I played the piano all the way up through uh, through school. And then, um, yeah, I've, I've always been singing. So I was with the, the National Philharmonic Choir in Ireland, um, singing on the soprano side. And uh, ah. I guess because of that, um, a lot of friends would ask me to sing at their weddings and um unfortunately I, I, I would sing at funerals as well but um and the music is much nicer <laughs> but yeah so I've, I've been doing that over the years I'm a little out of practice at the moment so it would be nice to get back back into that but um but yeah certainly I I, I do love to sing and uh, it was always a pleasure to be able to um to do weddings and um for people but yeah that's uh, <laughs> that's as you say it's a secret a lot of people wouldn't know that and uh, I generally keep it quiet but we love secret you've let it out of the bag Nico <laughs> when did you fail in your career do you have any advice for people failing it's easy to fail in payments yeah um failing so I guess for me an area that stands out is when so laser card again I was running laser card and I I had um the card payments group running under under IPSO at the same time, so running everything going on with cards. And over a couple of years, when we were coming to the end of the lifeline of, of LaserCard, which evolved into the MasterCard and Visa products, I guess was was looking for my next steps. And for me, you know, for, for the previous couple of years, I was having a lot of people from payments authorities, regulators, from all of the banks contacted me all the time for for information and for advice and um you know on the regulation side you had the the regulator was contacting me saying you know what do we need to be looking into and I was getting all of these queries from people so I kind of thought maybe I'll go into consulting and my mistake and the the, the big error that I made was that uh, you know I was well known within Europe and within um Ireland especially and I sort of went out saying okay I'm, I'm a consultant now come and you know <laughs> get, get me working for you um and I you know, it was it was a rookie mistake. I thought everyone knew what I had done and and what I um what I knew. Um, but I realized actually, you know, everyone has their own needs. They have their specific needs, and you obviously know this with with your organization in terms of what customers are looking for, and that you need to have packages on the shelf that they can look at and see what you can deliver for them and and buy those. So it was a very quick learning curve, but it was a big sort of a big uh, failure in my career path that I, I thought, I mean, I did get a phone call within the first day of setting something up, which was um, again, the European ATM security team that I was working with at the time I was on their board. Um, so I started working with them, but learned very quickly that I needed to put packages together um, that I needed to be able to market, you know, what I could provide to a company and target different areas of companies. Um, and I, I learned that very quickly and, and it, it worked very well after that. But uh, yeah, I think um, being a little bit wet behind the ears, naive. Um, and, you know, my advice to people is that if, if you are planning on doing something different or taking a different path in your career, maybe talk to people who are in that path already and ask them about their their learning curve and what, what they're doing now and what you should do. Um, so that, that was uh, certainly a big a big uh, change for me and it, it all worked out in the end. And I know you are also very involved in uh, the women in payment movement. There is another episode on the topic led by Catherine. Uh, so whoever wants to hear about your effort there, please listen to the episode by Catherine Tong, our previous guest. We are reaching the end of the show, but I have another secret I'd like to dive in. Uh, running the MRC is like managing a heavy boat. Now, it, it, it's not easy because it's so big now, but you fly planes. You're a pilot. <laughs> um, yes, I, I like to fly Cessnas. Um, 
and um, I'd highly recommend it if you if you have never flown a plane before. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Most uh, most countries, most most towns and cities have a um, a flying company where you can you can give a lesson. Um, but for me, I, I I grew up wanting to be a pilot, and I think that goes back to what we wanted to do in our career. I always wanted to to fly. Um, to fly planes there was a there was a guy in the UK who had a, a program called Jim will fix it and when I was 10 I wrote to him and said I wanted to fly a 747 um and uh I, I thought this is going to be really easy because he you know I have to fly over from Ireland to the UK to do this program <laughs> so I have to fly in a plane this is going to be very easy for them but it never it never happens which was a good thing in the end and uh um so yeah I, I think later in life I took my first lesson and I, I was hooked um and really, it, it gives you a freedom that you you just will never experience anywhere else. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, highly recommend it. It's a great thing to do. So your pilot skills must explain the pace and the speed of the latest MRC uh, development. Congratulations for that. We we are reaching the end of our show already, Una. You can catch up with Una following uh, her plane where she's singing or getting in touch with Allies or the MRC. We will put the website of the MRC in the show notes of this episode. What would be your preferred word of recommendation to stakeholders? Please, one, two or three words only. Oh, gosh. Network. Networking is hugely important, you know, whether whether you're growing your career or you want to find out information, just, uh, you know, make sure you network. Um, and, and, you know, people will ask us, how, how do I network? Um, just get involved in groups that are out there. Have a look on, you know, events pages or, um, you know, companies like the MRC or like Allies. Um, you know, just make sure that you're talking to to people within your industry. Um, it's it's just key in terms of growing your career or just finding out what's uh, what's going on. Um, so yeah, networking and communicating. I think with within organisations, we we constantly see it, especially when we're um, when we're all working online for the last fourteen months. Uh, a lot of us are just hopping from one meeting to another, and you don't necessarily get that time to catch up. Um, and you know, sometimes again, we, we miss that being in the office and overhearing projects that are going on and so on. So just, you know, take take the time out. Uh, I, I see a lot of companies who take maybe a Friday morning or Friday noon or Friday afternoon off just to to catch up and to communicate what they're doing with everyone else, um, especially when it impacts the, the whole uh, organization. So, yeah, for me, communication, networking, they're two two key words that uh, that everyone should consider. Great advice, Una. Thank you very much for participating and for representing us all in the industry. It was really great having you today. Thank you, Nico. Thanks for joining Payments and More, the Ally Show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, please share this podcast with your network. Leave us a five-star review, of course, and subscribe now to Payments and More in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is the best way not to miss any episode with great guests. You can find more information about our guests today and how to connect in the show notes or on Allies' website. Last, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know your suggestion for the next episode, guests to interview, topics to address or questions you'd like me to ask to our guests in our Allies LinkedIn page or in the comment section of this podcast. See you in the next episode of Payments and More. I'm Nico. We are Allies.